Amen. Um, let me uh, invite all children to uh, children and worship. You see Pastor Jennifer just uh, over there by the coffee. And any children can go with, uh, with her. Lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, band. Thank you, Hope, um, for reminding us uh, of that and leading us to his feet. Um, I wonder, uh, uh, first, just to welcome you all this day. Those that are here, those that are uh, online, uh, happy uh, July 4th to, to you. Um, I'm Drew Smith, pastor here, and glad that you're um, with us and worshiping with us today. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, what are your anxiety dreams? You know, what are, when you're in anxiety, what do you go back to? You know, that just keeps coming back to your mind. For me, it's I always dream that I can't find my sermon notes, you know, or, or the Bible, or the pulpit, or the church building where I'm supposed to be, or my microphone. You know, there's just one, there's something, there's a common theme there that probably isn't that hard for you to figure out. Um, that are signs of things that I can lay at the feet of Jesus. I also have periodic bouts with terror that at some point God says, I- I'm finished with you. you. You keep on messing up and you should know better. You- you've been doing this ministry gig for they pay you for this for 30 years. You know, you, you should be doing better. I'm sort of finished. And the thing is, there's truth in what I'm saying that I should be doing better. But that anxiety turns to terror when I imagine God telling me, you know, you're just not good enough. I'm done with you. That's a real terror and fear. Maybe some of you also experience not only the anxiety, but even that terror. Well, I got good news. Got good news from this passage today that we're going to look like, look at. It clearly presents how and why we can be free from anxiety and terror before God no matter what. You know, on this July 4th, we're going to celebrate a complete liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. That indeed, indeed, He bridges the chasm we've just been singing about. That we can lay it all down at His feet. And He takes it all and destroys it all. No matter how evil our decisions or actions may have been. There is absolutely no reason in Jesus Christ for us to live in anxiety or terror before God. And that's true for anyone uh, here, that's true for anyone that's listening and watching now or listening and watching any, any time after today. Anyone, everywhere, at any time can be free from the anxiety and terror and guilt and fear before God. We have eternal, forever freedom before the one who is our creator, the very owner of all the earth and the judge of everything that is done. That's the freedom that we have. That's what we'll look at in our passage today in Romans. And before we look there, let's, uh, let's pray. Almighty God, uh, thank you again for your written word. And, and we ask that indeed you will take this word, you will 
take it to our, the depth of our soul. You will help us to know your, the, the truth of our forgiveness in you and experience it, that we truly can lay it all down at your feet. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, uh, Romans chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 21 and just read through verse 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Now, we are free, what Paul tells us here, we are free from guilt because of what God does. It is all God's action, what he does in Jesus. Now, we, it's, it's uh, what Paul says a number of times in this letter to the, the church in Rome. This is the righteousness of God is made known. The righteousness of God is, is manifested. It's, it's shown. It's demonstrated. It's acted. And when we hear that word righteousness, we think that it means doing the right thing. And that's part of what righteousness is. But in this context, and in Paul's letters to the church, righteousness means not just doing the right thing, but it means being faithful in relationships. It means making relationships right with one another. And that's what God has been doing since the beginning of time. Making relationships right with Him. So that we can be freed from guilt. Not because of what we can do. Not because of what you can do. Not because of fulfilling any kind of command or any kind of religious rituals. We do not, we fall short. All of us. This is the great unifier. That Paul talks about here, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, We are all sinners before God and separated from Him. We cannot achieve our own freedom from sin. We cannot achieve, we can't try harder and achieve our own freedom from anxiety and guilt. We can't do it. God does it totally. Now, that's not like uh, the... The, our journey of freedom that we experience as Americans. You know, we're, we're living into our freedom. We don't experience it fully and totally. It's not everyone at every time and every place have we perfected freedom and justice for all. But it's what we aspire. It's what we pursue. You know, it's, but we're not there. We're good. You could even say we're better than most. But we're not there. I mean, we got a great set as a nation. As we, uh, of our founding documents, what we celebrate on, on this Independence Day. Language that is beautiful. That every human being's created equal. 
We're endowed by our Creator with inalienable rights, meaning glorious truths that before God we are free and equal, but we want to live into it as a nation. And you can't just put it on paper. You have to live it out. You have to make it happen. And for us as a nation, unlike our freedom in God, we have to work on that freedom and that equality for all. That all can be equal, just like we're all before God, and all can be free. Uh, before God. I mean, when those, when these documents were written in 1776, you know, women and men were not equal. It just wasn't the case. Uh, black skinned people and white skinned people weren't equal. Uh, they weren't all free when we wrote these documents uh, over 200 years ago. It took some time. It took, uh, in a civil war and some changes and amendments and, uh, uh, Changing in laws to, to begin to recognize that, to be more clear. No, they, these, these documents need more specificity. And it took, it took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to continue on that journey, to pursue what we're aspiring to be. And it took even, and that, that took a little less than a hundred years to have those amendments in that civil war. It took a little longer than for women to have free equality, at least to have the voice to vote. And then it was a whole, it was 190 years or so after that original July 4th of 1776 that we made the laws even more precise with the Civil Rights Act where we said, no, separate is not equal. Freedom is still not being experienced by all in our nation. We want to be the land of the free, but we're not there. We had to make additional changes. It's still, and we're still battling today, even in the last 10 years. You know, there was a $400 million settlement against a number of mortgage companies because they charged higher interest rates to people of black and brown skin than people of white skin. That's just been in the last 10 years. $400 million of fines over that just in the last... So we, and we still battle the gender pay gap that, that people have unequal pay but equal work. So the journey is before us. That's the kind of freedom that we're pursuing as a nation and recognizing we're an imperfect nation. But we're seeking to follow some very lofty goals. And so we can celebrate. We can celebrate that journey that we're on. We don't affirm that we're there or that we have achieved it. But we're working towards that ultimate goal. We still have ways that we fall short. We, we celebrate then the beauty of those aspirations, the wisdom of our founders and the many who've shed blood on this journey. Whether it was a bayonet in Gettysburg or facing bullets on Normandy or bombs in Birmingham, all Americans who have shed blood for this pursuit of equality and justice and freedom, we celebrate that. And we pursue that freedom of all today. But with God, with God, we don't do anything. We've we've shown, even as our nation, we can't do it all on our own. We cannot achieve there. We still fall short. But with God, He makes all things right. He frees us from guilt. 
There are no religious rituals or good works, no church going, no mission giving, no Bible reading, no time praying, no action serving or Jesus sharing that you can do enough of to make yourself right with God. There's no sense that, that, that God has this um, balance and says, well, I say, here, your good stuff, here's your bad stuff. Does your good stuff outweigh your bad? That's nowhere. There's nothing like that in the Bible. It is clear that we fall short, but that God does the work to make us free from our own sin and guilt. He's the only one that can do it. Um, let me share a story. I uh, remember this vividly. All senses were used in this experience. I don't remember what child it was, but they were a baby, still in their crib. And they, in the middle of the night, let out blood-curdling screams and cries. Man, if you've been around children, you can tell the difference. When a cry is heartfelt, something's wrong, and I need to wake up in the middle of the night, and it was my turn. So I had to get up and go check out what was happening. And when I opened the door into my child's room, it hit me in the face. The smell was atrocious. It was putrid. And the child was crying from the depth of their lungs. They were screaming. And I looked over and they were covered. They were obviously sick because they were covered in their throw-up and diarrhea. They had blown out their diaper and it was all over them. Now, I'm like, oh, as I break through the smell and then get my eyesight and I see this and know, I, you know, oh, I want to, I need to, but how do I pick you up and then take you into the bathtub and get the water going in the right and keeping you up where you're supposed to be so you don't drown in this, but it is absolutely finally get a washcloth start. And the whole time, Wah! I mean, she's just going at it. And the I finally clean her off and then get the towel wrap around and say, oh, let's get in the rocking chair. And let's sing, lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. That's relationships broken and then repaired. One representing me and you, who's helpless. We're just crying in our diarrhea. And it's putrid. It, It is not just a bad decision here or there. It is utmost evil in opposition to our good, loving, life-giving creator. And it's the other who comes in and says, I got to clean you up. I got to make this right. I got to take all that is putrid away and throw it away so that we might be right with one another. That's what God does to make all things perfect, free, and equal in our relationship with Him. For you, me, anyone, anytime, anywhere, God cleans us up through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. That, that's what Paul then goes through with these big words that he uses to say, this is what God has done 
in Jesus. This is what he has accomplished. He has justified you. One of the big words. Justified is the same root word that righteousness comes from. Justifies means God has made me and you right with him. He has made that relationship. Whatever the chasm is, whatever the putrid um, evil is between us, he has taken it and removed it and now brought us to himself. Jesus is the one who accomplishes that justification. He, he takes our sins to the grave. That He's the one that redeems us. Another word in here, that he, it's, it's through his redemption. Now, redemption is, is a, means that he frees us from the slavery of sin. Redemption was a common word in the Old Testament. It's the same word that used when God freed, he redeemed Israel from being slaves to Egypt. He redeemed Israel from being slaves to Babylon. That word redemption is where God has done the work necessary to free us from what enslaves us. So he redeems us from sin, from the shackles of guilt. And then the other big word here is he is our propitiation. I know you use that word regularly. But what it means, and it's a, a unique technical word that is used, that, God, satisfy, that G, God satisfies the wrath of God in the death of Jesus. That's what propitiation means. It was used very um, often in the Jewish sacrificial system, particularly on the Day of Atonement, the Day of Forgiveness, Yom Kippur, where the priest would take a lamb, the the purest lamb, the most innocent lamb of all the lambs of the, the, the nation of Israel. He would take that perfect, pure lamb, and then he would place on that lamb the the sins of the nation of Israel for that year. Just part of God's sacrificial system. He'd take him in the temple, and there he'd slaughter him. And in the, the spilling of his blood, the slicing off of his head, there the sins of Israel in that year are temporarily paid for. There, that's the propitiation. The, the just judgment of God is satisfied because the lamb becomes, where's where we get the term scapegoat? The lamb becomes the one who pays the, the price who suffers in order, uh, that, that punishment, that wrath of God, so that you're satisfied. That propitiation, then the, the blood of the Lamb goes into the inner, the Holy of Holies of the temple, and then is poured on the mercy seat in that Holy of Holies to accomplish that act of forgiveness and that act of propitiation. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God. The one who was innocent. The one who lived without sin. And he takes our sin. He takes our disobedience. He takes our putrid mess upon himself. And our guilt dies with Jesus. It goes to the grave. Jesus makes us right with God forever. And in the power of the resurrection, he demonstrates his power over sin, over death, over guilt. So that God is both just in that sin is not just overlooked. It's not just, ah, don't worry about it. You'll do better next time. Sin sin is called for what it is, the ugly putrid mess that it is. And there is the shedding of blood for the propitiation of that sin. So God is both just and the justifier. The one who is totally pure makes us totally pure through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. 
through the life, death, resurrection of God the Son. And He makes us right with God forever. Cleans us off totally, once and for all, and calls us to Himself. That's why we call this good news. It's not good works. It's not a good assignment. It's not a good thing that you're going to do or I'm going to do. It is a good news of the good work that God has done on our behalf that totally sets us free. Jesus' sacrificial death perfectly freed us from our guilt. Anyone, anytime, anywhere. And what Paul calls us to, just believe what Jesus has done for you. Trust in Him. Place your faith in Him. Place it all at the feet of Jesus. For He will take it and make it right. Like a baby covered in putrid mess, crying out, trust that Jesus cleans you up and makes you right with God now and forever. I invite you, if you're hearing this news for the first time or for the first time you're saying, I want that. I want that freedom. I want that truth. Receive the gift. Simply cry out to Jesus, just like a baby. Cry out. Help me. Forgive me. Clean me. Make me right with you. Uh, Invite you to come forward to, to me, to anyone, if that's what you want to do. And you want to talk further about what it means to, to place your faith in Jesus. If you're online, you can send a simple request, uh, a prayer, that you, you pray to receive Jesus. So just go to prayer at chpc.org. Send a quick email. That'll come to the prayer team. We'll pray with you and, and connect with you as well. If it's not now, it could be anytime, anytime, anywhere. When, when you get to the bottom, when that terror and anxiety overwhelms you and you're like, I can't do this on my own, know this, God's waiting. Like a loving parent, he's waiting to come and turn and welcome you to himself. And, and brothers and sisters, for all of us here, what would it look like? What would it be for us if, if we as a church really lived out of this freedom? That we had this sense of freedom, being free in God that the, and the joy and the peace was ours and it characterized our lives and that the anxiety and the worries, the fear and the terror went further and further away because we know we are good in the hands of the almighty creator and we are with him forever. How would that free us to love others? How would that free us in our own homes and in our own workplaces, in our own community to simply love others, to to be the presence of Christ, to to be those that, that are characterized by the fruit of the spirit? In Jesus Christ, Friends, we are free. That is good news that can't be taken away. Let us, in the power of the Spirit, now live in that total and complete freedom. Amen. Let's pray.